you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm really happy to welcome on Tegan Klein, co-founder of Edge and Node. Welcome, Tegan. Thank you so much for having me. So the strapline is building the decentralized future. Edge and Node is the initial team behind the graph who we've had on representatives on the on the show before. Um, you describe what you do as creating and supporting protocols and dApps that empower individuals and move humanity forward. And we were talking offline and we're going to get into this probably towards the end of the podcast that you're a really good proxy for development activity and trends more generally in Web3. So I'm definitely going to pick your brains as to what you see um, that's happening. It's interesting. And of course, the graph is an indexing protocol for organizing blockchain data and making it easily accessible. So uh, several reasons why I've got you in the show. As I said, one is um, because of the insights that you have by virtue of, of what you're doing um, at Edge and Node and the graph. But also you've got some interesting and unique perspectives, both as an ex-investment banker, um, also on the sales and trading side at Bank of America, Merrill, Barclays. Um, you've also done BD within a Web3 context, um, both at the graph, but also Orchid. And I know that's a, a big component of what you're doing now at Edge and Node. So I think understanding you know what is business development in web3 you know for a protocol or, f- or f- for what you're doing now at edge and node how do you engage an ecosystem to build on top of and partner with something that can feel quite abstract sometimes or you know if it's, it's especially generalizable how, how you kind of cut through um, but you also do lots of other wonderful stuff. You work on Blockchain for Social Impact Coalition, Blockchain Code for Ethics. Um, so maybe we'll get to talk about that. I know you volunteered a lot of things as well, including Buckmeister Fuller Institute um, and Crypto Underground. So, um, so let's get into it. If you could maybe give us some of the, the, the potted history to your pathway to Edge and Node, I guess, you know, most interestingly, um, that kind of hop, skip and a jump from Orchid through to uh, the graph. And then, you know, really what is the purpose and mission of Edge and Node in the context of the graph and the work that they're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Yeah. So I started my career on a more traditional path. So I had learned about Bitcoin and In 2011, I tried to buy some. It was really challenging and difficult and kind of continued my career in finance and Wall Street. And so I started my career in traditional investment banking, kind of overseeing IPOs and mergers and acquisitions in-house within the financial institutions group at Bank of America. And then I kind of went into sales and trading at Barclays to get a faster pace environment and kind of see investment banking from the other side. And so I think just being in both of these pieces within banking and kind of seeing the inefficiencies and kind of friction and costs that banks create without a lot of reason to firsthand is really what led me to 
understand the potential when I learned about Ethereum back in 2016. And I just really saw the opportunity to really remove that unnecessary friction and kind of create a new system outside of the one that was there and really kind of empower the individual and, and give them back that um, control and, and freedom. And so I joined uh, Orchid, which is a distributed VPN that's backed by Andreessen Horowitz and Sequoia um, to really help empower individuals and kind of get them equal access to the internet. And so I helped them launch, um, this is almost two years ago now, I want to say, and that was the first time Coinbase ever listed a token in conjunction with the network launch, which was really exciting and great experience. Um, but once I resigned from Orchid, I kind of took a step back and reviewed the kind of the blockchain ecosystem holistically. And I just saw that a lot of decentralized applications that were launching on Ethereum just were not competitive with centralized applications that you find on your iPhone. And I believe that blockchains are the future of the internet. And I want to make sure we get to that future and that we get there quickly. And so I joined the graph. The graph is key infrastructure to ensure that blockchains do become the future of the internet, kind of abstracting that difficult um, indexing and querying layer away from the developers so that they can just focus on building really great applications that are easy to use, focus on the UX and the UI of those applications. And so now that the graph has launched the decentralized network, um, we the graph launched the decentralized network in December of last year. And now the graph is kind of this public good that everyone owns and no one owns. And so Edge and Node is where the team behind uh, the graph protocol, where many of the team members live, but it, Edge and Node is now one of very many ecosystems and companies that live within the Graph ecosystem. And so we have a service agreement with the Graph Foundation to provide tech, to provide BD, to provide um, marketing PR uh, for the Graph ecosystem. But there are now over 170 different indexers, which are each kind of like their own business within the Graph ecosystem and over 6,000 delegators. And then the Graph Foundation recently allocated wave one funding to over 50 teams, about uh, $5 million worth of GRT to really help them kickstart their businesses within the Graph ecosystem and, and kind of be autonomous. Very cool. So maybe before we jump into, I guess this yeah, growing the ecosystem, both in terms of the business development component and then as you uh, just mentioned, kind of grants and, and uh, investing funding. Could you maybe just give a give a description explanation as to what we mean when we say indexing in the context of blockchains? You know, why why do DApps developers need that? Absolutely, yeah. So blockchains have a lot of really amazing information. The Ethereum blockchain has all of this really great on chain public data. But the problem is you need this indexer piece um, to access that blockchain data so that developers can get that data and serve that data to their users. So that's what the graph is. It's kind of like this open public data um, database on top of blockchains. Um, but the graph does this in a decentralized way. And decentralization was really something that was core to the graph founders early on. Um, and it's what we have been building for over the past three, four years. 
so that we can have really decentralized, vibrant infrastructure. And so the graph is used by, by now, thousands of protocols and dApps, including Uniswap, Synthetics, Aave, Balancer, it could go on. Um, could you maybe just give us, I mean, I imagine some of it's very generalizable, but then some of it might be very specific. Could you kind of give us some examples to just make it less abstract to bring it to life? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anything like trade data, the uh, valuation of certain like ERC-20 tokens, for example, on Ethereum, historical data, really anything that lives on the Ethereum blockchain is what you can pull via the graph. And so uniswap.info, anytime you go there, you're kind of interacting with a graph subgraph. Subgraphs are open APIs. So the Uniswap team controls their open API, but they make it open so that anyone can use their API to build and innovate in this ecosystem. And so the graph, just like Google set out to index the web back in the day, um, the graph does that for the blockchain. And so you had all this great data within Web2 or the centralized internet that was out there that you couldn't really access as a consumer without the Google's functionality. And so the graph is kind of doing this in a decentralized way in uh, with the Web3 space. Got you. And could you give some examples of new types of data sets that are coming into the space? So, I mean, I'd imagine initially a lot of the focus was around DeFi and DEXs and, and everything else, but are there kind of new types of data that are entering the system now that are attracting a, a premium? Yeah, absolutely. So in April, there were over 20 billion queries within the hosted service on the graph. And that really speaks to kind of like the development within the Web3 space. And so early on, what we saw was a lot of innovation within the DeFi space. I think that really started with flash loans, which is something that has never been done in any ecosystem previously. And I think that when you have this new type of innovation, then so much more innovation comes and you can look back to like that when that happened with Bitcoin and then all the innovation within Ethereum came. And so that's really what we've seen with DeFi and then that tapered off, but then more and more people were attracted to kind of building within the DeFi space. So then there was this next boom within DeFi and then that funding kind of flowed into NFTs to really get funding to artists and creators. And now what we're seeing is still DeFi there's a lot of the query traffic within the graph ecosystem is within the DeFi space, but we're also seeing more trends emerge within NFTs. And what we're also seeing is within the DAO space. So a lot more innovation there just in terms of like decentralizing work, decentralizing governance. I think that there, that will kind of be one of the next big waves. And then also with interrupt um, synthetic assets or interrupt blockchain on, on Ethereum, that is also a trend we're seeing kind of emerge. Yeah. And so I, I would say that's a lot of the development that's happening within this space today. Uh, but I'm excited to see more traditional uh, applications from Web 2 move into Web 3 as this infrastructure kind of comes to fruition. So like a decentralized Twitter, a decentralized Facebook, really moving social networks into Web 3. And I think that that is kind of a a longer tail item, but it is coming. Yeah, it's interesting to see what a social graph looks like in the context of Web3. And I know I've I've kind of personally argued that I actually look at NFTs as a as a, a social layer of the internet. They're just, you know, it's it's pretty 
two-dimensional at the moment, but very quickly that will begin to um, form a, a social layer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out at the graph. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where those NFTs are going to be shown off. And I think that that's right now is kind of a fight to like which social media platform will sh- will display the NFTs and then gaming will likely emerge like in the metaverse, being able to display all of your NFTs there. So yeah, it's really, really exciting times. Absolutely. And so I know a big initiative at Edge and Node is Everest. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, absolutely. So Everest uh, was kind of created by uh, the, the graph team prior to the launch of the decentralized network. And so Everest, I like to explain it kind of like a decentralized LinkedIn. And so Everest is a place where all of the decentralized applications, which we call dApps in Web3 live. And so that anyone anywhere in the world can go to Everest and see, you know, maybe I'm interested in arts, maybe I'm interested in gaming, maybe I really like finance, or maybe I like, you know, looking at environmental change. And so you can see these different categories, click into it, and then see all of the development and innovation and the different dApps that live within that. And I think one thing that we're going to move towards is, and we already are moving in this direction where it's people can work for ideas, they can work for protocols, they can work for a number of different protocols, a number of different ideas, as opposed to just one centralized company that maybe their values are not aligned with. And so Everest is kind of the move towards this direction so that anyone anywhere in the world can just click in and see all the innovation that is happening. Um, and I say that we're moving in that direction because with within the graph ecosystem, there are many different roles that individuals can play, um, some very technical, some not technical at all. And we're seeing different individuals kind of put on their Twitter pages or their LinkedIn's that they are a curator for the graph ecosystem, or they're a delegator for the graph ecosystem, or an indexer for the graph ecosystem. And so I think I think we'll see more and more of this, and especially as DAOs kind of emerge more to the forefront, people also being involved in different DAOs and, and kind of autonomous structures. Yeah, and that's very interesting. So could you just talk us through how a curator functions in the graph network? Yeah, absolutely. So curators, I call them open data alpha finders. And really anyone who who has kind of knowledge of different projects or trends in the ecosystem will make a great curator. For example, like any traders out there or investors such as yourself uh, would make really great curators in the graph ecosystem because what they do is they identify the subgraphs that they believe in um, and and they mint signal on a bonding curve, uh, which is kind of just like staking signal on these subgraphs to let the indexers know, which are the node operators, which subgraphs they should be indexing on. And so when you have an open decentralized ecosystem, such as the graph, anyone can create a subgraph and anyone can call that subgraph anything that they would like. And so the indexers need a way to distinguish which ones are the proper subgraphs, which ones have good data. And so the curators help the indexers do that. Yeah. And you can imagine actually venture, um, venture capital being increasingly reliant on these things as more and more venture capital is deployed via DAOs, you know, how people collectively make decisions. 
is going to become in a in a trustful way is going to become increasingly critical so you know having that value chain where um and and feedback loop i guess where data can be curated fed back into the system for better decisioning um so let's talk about bd in this context right business development because i know that's a well, I think that's a big focus of what you're doing as one of the co-founders at Edge and Node, but I know it's been consistent um, through uh, both Orchid and the graph um, prior. So firstly, maybe we just speak at a more general level. You know, How do you grow an ecosystem in Web3 where you're mixing with a, a wide spectrum of, of customer or user, anything from a very small team of app developers through to a large institution and then maybe somewhere in the middle of DAO. You know, how do you go about putting together a structure which can allow you to do business development or kind of network growth, ecosystem growth? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first step is really understanding your values and how those values are kind of going into what you're building. And so for me, those values are kind of like decentralized, open source, permissionless technology. And so I want to do business development for projects or protocols that have these values. Um, and I would never do business development for a project that doesn't have those values. And I think that consumer, the consumer needs to kind of be your North Star and, and so it's really identifying those key stakeholders in the ecosystem and understanding, you know, who is your consumer and who are you serving and are you providing them value? So the graph early on, the consumer was really the developer. That was the main focus early on prior to launching the decentralized network was this community of developers providing them something that's really beneficial to what they're building uh, and, and kind of helping them eliminate difficulties in, in what they're doing. And so for the graph, that was really the subgraph, the, the open APIs, providing that to the developers. And that cuts down on the developer's uh, work. Um, so it eliminates about 12 months line of code. And then it also reduces costs substantially and allows for more transparency and more innovation. Um, and I really think, you know, a lot of the DeFi applications back in that first wave were we're using subgraphs and that helped more innovation, more transparency. Um, and I think it's really one of the really big benefits to the space today. So I would say that's important is kind of understanding who your consumers are. And then when you move to a decentralized protocol, you that expands beyond just the developer. So with the graph, it expanded to the delegators, which are non-technical. They can just kind of delegate their GRT to the indexers and they can earn a return for doing so because they're helping to secure the network and they're also helping the indexers increase their stake. Um, so I would say that is important. Um, so it's really kind of about like being very values aligned and then also really knowing who you're serving and then identifying the key stakeholders in the ecosystem that you can kind of partner with to really expand both of your businesses and really kind of bringing that value, like making those partners understand the value you're bringing and how you can kind of both benefit from a partnership in the, in the ecosystem. And how do you start something like that? What, what's, um, I mean, I know you're, you're a growing team, um, presumably 
you know, aligned to the, the growth that you see within the graph. But I mean, that's that's been pretty phenomenal. So, you know, how how do you build? How are you building out a team right now to kind of scale to meet that demand from a BD perspective, from a service perspective? Yeah. Yeah, so Edgenode has recently hired a lot of really great individuals within the ecosystem, uh, many kind of joining from Web2 companies. So I always kind of joke that like the exodus has begun, that many people from Web2 are flowing into Web3 and, and joining different companies within the ecosystem or, and also building their own kind of protocols and, and, and projects within the space. Um, so Edgenode recently hired... Um, a couple of people from Google, um, one person from Airbnb, someone from AWS who's focusing on developer relations. Um, and so that's one of our prime focuses right now is, you know, developers that may not have interacted with crypto or with Web3. How do we kind of funnel them into the Web3 ecosystem? And also on the flip side of this, identifying people that are not technical and don't want to be technical and how they can find a place in this ecosystem is another one of our big initiatives. Um, and so those are two kind of areas that we're focusing on in addition to really cultivating the current community and, and um, adding kind of advanced features to uh, the tech stack so that developers can really benefit from, continue benefiting from the graph. So you mentioned the, I think it was grants, right? Uh, rather than necessarily a, like an ecosystem fund or anything where you're investing in startups for an equity stake. Is, um, is that, a, a, is that a, de a deliberate choice or is th this just like a pathway? So the grants are actually on the Graph Foundation side. Um, and so Eva Balin, she is a director of the Graph Foundation. She's amazing and brilliant. And so one of her focuses is to allocate grants in the form of GRT to developers who are building subgraphs, to community um, builders within the ecosystem. So kind of individuals managing community channels for different countries, different regions. Um, one of the grantees is also working on an ambassador program to help find really hungry, driven people across the globe and really help them find their way in Web3 uh, to really expand that footprint. Also, one of the grants went to someone who is focusing on kind of indexer performance. So there's so many different things happening within the ecosystem. And so she's really kind of identifying which individuals are kind of early days that can benefit from a grant. Um, and then Edge and Node does have a venture arm, um, but we haven't done a lot from that. We're really focused kind of on really building out the graph ecosystem at this time, but we do want to ensure we get to a very decentralized future and we get there quickly. Um, and so that is kind of a, a tool we have at our disposal if, if we need it. Got you. And so what's next for Edge and Node? What's the next you know, 12, 18 months look like? Are there any particular big initiatives that you want to talk through? Yeah, I would say that uh, service agreement with the Graph Foundation. So really kind of working with the Graph Foundation to add new product features. So I would say the Graph network right now is very much in beta. And um, we've been kind of focused on, or the ecosystem has been focused on 
bootstrapping the network. So really focusing on the indexer and the delegator piece. So right now there's over 170 indexers on the graph network. And there's also over um, 6,500 delegators that are helping to secure the ecosystem. And now that we have strong footing around each of those two pieces, um, there was actually a recent announcement that the foundation made around the 10 dApps that have committed to migrate over and they've begun syncing to the decentralized network. Um, and so this will be a very big milestone because now this infrastructure is really decentralized. And so what we did is we started with kind of one subgraph on the decentralized network to really get that strong footing and build the supply side. But uh, this initial wave will be migrating over to the decentralized network, which is really where we'll see these query fees start to flow over. And another recent announcement that came out was around Scalar. So this is something that the Edge and Node team had been working on for over two years within the state channel space. And this is really one of the first times state channels will be used in broad scale production within kind of the Ethereum ecosystem. And so this is how the graph will be able to serve those queries on the decentralized network is through um, state channels. And we partnered with Connext to uh, really kind of bring this to fruition. And so that was a really core component before subgraphs could begin migrating over. So that's been exciting, but yeah, really excited to see kind of curation launch in the coming months, additional products launching to really bring the graph out of beta and then seeing query fees flow on the graph network. Very cool. And so how can projects reach out to you or the Edge and Node team in order to find out how they can collaborate or, you know, I get guest first look on, on product roadmap and stuff like that with things that are coming out of the graph. Yeah. So you can go to the graph.com. You can also follow the graph at graph protocol. Um, you can follow edge and node at edge and node on Twitter and then also edge and And then I am the client venture on Twitter. You're welcome to message me or reach out to me at any time here to kind of be a resource, especially if you're trying to kind of break into the, the space and you don't know how to get started. Uh, happy to send over some resources, but I can link these all to you so that you can include them in the in the show notes in the event that's helpful. Great. Well, look, Tegan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really excited to see what you guys get up to at Edge and Node, and you know, always watching the graph to see what's what's happening next. I think it's a really key part of um, Web three infrastructure. And you know what? Actually, I think it might be a good idea to get somebody from the team over onto uh, Ally Ventures. CTO Anvan Amos has a, a dev show where we go a bit deep into a technology to understand the exact dev tooling. So I, I think I'm going to sync you up after the call. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I think you know the fact that you've been covering Web3 for so long, it's so vital uh, to educate individuals on. I think that there will be one web and that will be Web3. So it's great you were so early to, to that movement. Thanks. I think we're both aligned on that. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.